All this courtly company gathered round the king to advise the knight, with grief in their hearts. Much secret sorrow was felt in the hall that one so distinguished as Gawain should have to go on that mission, to suffer a grievous blow and strike none in return with his sword. The knight remained cheerful throughout and said, What should I shrink from? What can one do but plumb the depths that fate holds in store, painful and pleasant alike? That was good, wasn't it? I didn't know I was coming to a poetry recital. (laughs) Welcome to episode two of Your Turn to Choose. So the concept of the podcast is pretty simple. We take it in turns to choose a film to watch. It can be anything we want, but it's our choice. The other one can't complain or reject it. Watch the film, then we have a good chat about it afterwards. Talk about what we liked, what we didn't like, and a bunch of silliness as well, I'd say. I'm one of your hosts, Gabriel. And I'm another host, Sophie. And this week, we're watching My Choice, because it was your choice last week. And this week, we're watching The Green Knight. Ooh. Did you like that little bit of text from Sir Gawain and The Green Knight? Yeah, it was lovely. It was unexpected. You potted in here with a little book. I I think I'm speechless, to be honest. (laughs) It was lovely, though. It's good, isn't it? So it's a poem written in the 14th century by an unknown poet. It's something I studied at school and and uni, I think. It's a beautiful piece of work from the Middle Ages. And it's the reason why I'm reading out today is because the film we're watching this week based on the poem. So yeah, there you go. Sir Gawain. Give us a give us a little synopsis of the film. Go on then. Sir Gawain, King Arthur's young nephew, embarks on an adventurous journey and deals with ghosts, thieves and giants as he sets out to defeat Green Knight after accepting his challenge. I mean, that sounds pretty exciting, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's maybe not as exciting as that makes it sound. Oh, no. (laughs) So... So it was a film that was really popular with critics when it came out. Maybe not quite as popular with audiences because I think a lot of people expected like a knighty, fighty, medieval kind of epic action film, uh, which it definitely isn't. But I'm excited to to see what you think of it and I really enjoyed it when I watched it the first time. And it's the kind of film, it's quite interpretive, so I think, you know, it'll be quite a good one for us to discuss because, you know, it, it's people have different interpretations of it, I suppose. It's a film about many things, um, one of which is death. Ooh. Um, ah. But it's also about growth and about the strength of the human spirit. Ah. Um, but yeah, I've been a bit poorly this week unfortunately so watching a film about death maybe isn't what's in order but i'm looking forward to it all the same are you the death bit isn't selling it growth sounds lovely i just want the ghosts you I just want, want a drama. bit of adventure you know that's i want that's an epic main. quest filled with drama and fighting and blood and sweat and grit all Am the I... good stuff is that really? what i'm gonna get no, just death. You are getting all that stuff and death. The cast is great. Do you, you like Deb Patel? Yeah, he's good. Deb Patel's Gawain. But just don't, like I say, don't go in expecting some super exciting action film because that's not what it's about. Um, but yeah. That, I mean, it's I'll my choice. It so I suppose, you know, you don't have to be super excited about it. I mean, just be warned that I'm picking the next one, so... Yeah. Cool. Well, I mean, it might be another film about death. We'll have to wait and see, won't we? We will. What you pick. Right, we're ready to go. Let's go and watch the film. Let's do it. See you on the other side. So we've just watched The Green Knight. What What are your first impressions? <laughs> I feel like I went through quite a few emotions, I'll be honest. I quite liked it. It wasn't life-changing, but I, 
I would say I enjoyed it. There were some good twists and turns. Some bits I found very frustrating. A lot to process. What were you? I thinking? mean, personally, I think it is life changing. I think <laughs> I think is I think it's so good. I liked it even more the second time than the first time. Mm. I think it's just such a good, perfect interpretation of a story that I really love. And I think they just hit all the beats so well and made their own tweaks, which just kind of brought it to life in a way that I hadn't even imagined before. And kind of even strengthened some of the themes of the original poem in a way that just really brought them to life. Oh, that's really um, nice. Yeah, because I was, I was going to say, I think it's, it's a really interesting Arthurian tale in that it's kind of more about shame and about upset and about kind of yeah, feeling like, of inadequacy 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 there you go that's it. you can have that one for free <laughs> which is really interesting rather than the glory and you know the kind of honour of being a knight which yeah. is what all the stories of the round table are about really yeah apart from this one oh so is it quite an anomaly I think it is yeah and, and it was written like I said in the intro by an anonymous poet you know he kind of struck a nerve in the kind of courtly romance world in a way that a lot of other stories didn't. Mm. And I think it's a story that does connect a lot with people. It explores like human fallibility rather than just glory quests and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's quite... I mean, I don't want to say realistic because there's some wild, fantastical, nonsensical things that happen, but realistic in the sense that this guy is a bit of a tragic waste of time (laughs) at the start and he wants glory, but for not actually achieving much... And he's happy to roll on with that all the way through until he has to face his fate. Mm. And he's even pretty cowardly to face his fate. I mean, he wants all the glory with none of the work. He does. We should probably say at this point, full spoilers for The Green Knight. We're going to be talking about every aspect of the film right up to the end. So if you haven't watched it, go away and watch it. And then you can come and listen to this and hear us rambling about it. Yeah. So while we're on that subject, let's talk about the end. What, what did you think about the end? It was good that you had the whole, you know, he's not going to go through with it, he's too cowardly, he's going to, like, go back and accept that he couldn't go through with having his head chopped off. And you were like, oh, okay, cool. You know, he's accepting that he's a shameful person that can't live up to his promise, blah, blah, blah. And then everything went awful, and he got away with it, and I, I was just, like, angry at the screen, wasn't I? I was like, this is so unsatisfying. It was ridiculous. It was just completely unjust, unfair. He wasn't that likeable a character anyway, and he became even more unlikable. And then it was the gotcha moment of that was actually just seeing into the future. And what did that make us think of? <laughs> we were twilighted. We were twilighted. Breaking Dawn Part 2. So it was quite a long reveal of an alternate reality. And in both alternative realities, there were head chopping off moments. Yes. Oh my God. God. So maybe this film was directly inspired by Twilight. I was going to say maybe Twilight was inspired by your ancient medieval poetry. Well, no, because the the main thing I was going to talk about with the ending is that it's quite different to what's actually in the poem because, and I'm reading from Wikipedia here, at the first swing, Gawain flinches slightly and the Green Knight belittles him for it. Ashamed of himself, Gawain does not flinch with a second swing, but again, the Green Knight withholds the full force of his blow. The Knight explains that he was testing Gawain's nerve. Angrily, Gawain tells him to deliver the blow, and so the Knight does, causing only a slight wound on Gawain's neck and ending the game. Gawain seizes his sword and the rest of his stuff. The Green Knight laughs and reveals himself to be none other than the Lord of the Castle, Bertilak, who is the nice guy 
who is Alicia Vikander's husband. Oh, what the heck? So that's a real change from what's in the poem. So essentially in the poem, the Green Knight is just this guy, Bertilak, transformed by magic. Right. As a test for Gawain. The knight then goes on to explain the entire adventure was a trick of the unnamed elderly lady Gawain saw at the castle, who is the creepy one yeah, with yeah, the eye yeah. mask, who apparently is the, the sorceress Morgan Le Fay, who who's that? Arthur's stepsister, Gawain's mum. But all this stuff kind of wasn't really explained in the end of the film. No, not it? at all. I don't think that wasn't either wasn't part of the ending or it wasn't deemed necessary to explain. Mm. I don't think you could even infer that. And I think I think you didn't lose anything from the story. Being a fan of the poem, I didn't think you lost anything from the story not having that kind of contextual information. And I think it would actually have been a bit cheesy just to kind of plump that in at the end. I think you might have lost people because it's quite wild when you've just read all that out, to be honest. Yeah. To, like, get that across in the film. And it wasn't, like, <coughs> a short film either to start whacking all that in. I'm trying to remember the actual ending now. So we assume he did get his head chopped off, but we didn't see it, did we? We didn't, and you, there's a little grin from the Green Knight when he says, off with your head. Yes, yes, yes. Um, but we don't know if it actually happens. So what could actually happen is everything you've just described, it's just we don't see it. Yeah. A little nick on his neck. Mm-hmm. But I just assumed he actually got his head chopped off, and I was just like, oh, well, it was not very <laughs> nice anyway, so good riddance. Well, no, and I suppose it was quite good because it almost just like crystallised that moment being one that was honourable rather than one of shame and dishonour. Because, it, cause, yeah, then in the poem, it says, Gawain is ashamed to have behaved deceitfully, but the Green Knight laughs and pronounces him the most blameless knight in all the land. And then he just goes home and has a nice life. But it kind of doesn't add up because why is he blameless? And why is he honourable, even if he didn't go through the game properly? Because he hasn't been that great all the way through. No. Like, I was, I was really wanting, like, a real journey from being a bit of a tragic waste of space to a really, like, honourable man that does good things and cares for other people. And you never really had that full journey. That's what I thought was going to happen. And it didn't really happen. Maybe yeah. that's good because it was unexpected. But that was the journey I thought we were going on. <laughs> yeah. Like a physical... An emotional journey. Yeah. And that didn't yeah. happen for me. He didn't. I mean, he, he did one honourable thing, wasn't it? Which was saving St. Winifred's head in the river. Yeah, but he did ask, like, what's in it for me? Yeah, he did. And he did he still did, do it did. anyway. That was, that was another blunder. He did it anyway, but he did ask the question. Uh, and apart from that, like you say, it was kind of all dishonourable actions wall-to-wall from Gwen. So he wasn't a particularly likeable character, like you say. But he was just, like, quite a real character, I suppose. Quite flawed. Yeah, I agree human. with that. I also think, what would I do in that situation? The Green Knight very explicitly said, you can do whatever you want. You can just inflict a scratch if you want. I, I would have had no shame in just doing that, to be honest. Just taking the scratch? Just giving him a little little scratch. Maybe a little, like, heart tattoo with the little <laughs> end of the sword. <laughs> on his arm see you in a year well that was his first big blunder wasn't it really was he didn't have to do chopping that chopping his head off he did not need to chop his head off he was just going all. for the glory which was yeah. silly and that's just ego again isn't it and youth and inexperience so I already know what I'd do in that situation tattoo a heart on the big group <laughs> yeah I, what I, really, I, I really love that scene 
when the Green Knight first comes in, the, the game starts and it's very atmospheric and you're kind of seeing the Green Knight in the dark and stuff. And then he obviously leaves and takes his head with him. I didn't get the vibe that he was particularly well-liked, well-respected, well-loved within that community, to be honest. He was a bit of an outcast, wasn't he? He wasn't exactly. a proper knight yet. He, he had to prove himself somehow and create his own canto, as they said. Yes. So he set about doing something about it, I suppose. But what I really liked about the structure of the film was that everything was a test. Mm. His whole journey was a test. He kept coming up against little kind of decisions to make. And like you say, most of the time he got it wrong. I'm so and critical, made the wrong decision. Well, no, but he really did. And there's no there's no kind of doubt about that in the in the text. You know, yeah. he, he kind of brings suffering on himself by making mistakes. He just doesn't seem to learn from them. I think that's what's frustrating. Yeah, and he, he gives in to his own foolishness and follies like he does with the with the lady obviously, mm-hmm. is the major example. Why have we not talked about the Green Knight being a lovely tree? <laughs> I really liked him. <laughs> he was great, wasn't he? And the design on him was amazing. I was That's what I was going to say. Actually, he tied into one of the most interesting themes of the film. Did you see it as a kind of eco-film? Because you could argue it was, I think. Maybe elaborate on what you mean by eco-film. So, one that basically shows nature as an all-powerful all-consuming system that we have no control over Mm. and we have to basically submit ourselves to it eventually and there's a really interesting speech by Alicia Vikander's lady in the castle talking about exactly this like a little monologue about nature and about how we're kind of powerless in the face of it so in some ways you could see the theme of the Green Knight representing nature I guess, and that representing our kind of powerlessness to escape its control. Because I guess, like, you could say, like, the reason I asked was, like, you said eco-film, and I did wonder what you meant in what sense, like, in the sense of, like, in a really modern kind of eco-warrior, environmentally friendly, like, way. Because, like, or in, in a different sense, because... The whole like monologue that you mentioned it was it was a great monologue. Uh, it felt a little bit random, but it was very great. It wasn't the most cheery. It mm. was quite bleak about like earth, environment, and, green. Yeah, and also humans' insignificance in the face of of something so powerful power. and so great. Yeah, and so like unflinching. Yeah, and uh, you know, and you said about the modern kind of attitude to eco things. I think you could even see it in that way here as well, because it's like at the beginning he chops the head off the Green Knight, destroying nature, destroying the world yeah. like we are. But in the end, the Earth always finds a way to come back and, yeah. and claim control. Yeah, I think you could. The Green Knight, he had a happy little home in his little chapel. It was beautiful. It was all, like, wild, overgrown. It seemed like a nice place to be. He seemed, like, almost banished, though, which was Mm. a bit sad. Why was he out there by himself in, like, a really kind of... Not desolate as in barren, but, like, desolate as in super far away from the rest of civilization? Like, that was all a bit sad. Mm. Like, I guess he might have chosen it. And, like you say, the green won and all of that, but it did kind of feel like he'd been banished away. I agree, and... I, I really like that moment as well when Gawain is captured by the smugglers mm. and he's left to die, he's tied up. And then the camera spins around and you see basically like the changing seasons of the forest as the camera spins around like really slowly. Mm. And then you see Gawain on the ground as a pile of bones with kind of roots climbing over the body. Mm. 
shows even more how silly the whole needing to, you know, go and seek a great big story for yourself and be come back as some great big hero really is because it's so fleeting. In the, in the grand scheme of things, it really doesn't make a lot of difference at all. But then it doesn't, it doesn't because he's had a poem yes. that's lived through many, many, many years. And a relatively modern film. Yes, but it's almost a... Would you call it a morality poem or a kind of warning poem that you might, you know, tell to children or something to warn them against foolishness and also (laughs) also warn them against, you know, the passing of time, I guess, and to not waste your time because he really wastes his time when he has one year left. And we see that in action. He just spends all of it drinking and sleeping around like he has been before. The seasons go pretty quickly when you're wasting your time. Yeah, I mean, it's just quite bleak, isn't it? Because it just makes you think, like, he had an opportunity to change... And people always have an opportunity to change, but he really had an opportunity to change and chose not to. And you're like, maybe people never do change. Even mm. with like this great opportunity event thing in his life, he's still the same person, like you say, that's just doing nothing. Mm. And that's actually just... It's really, a bit it's bleak, isn't sad. it? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like it was, quite a lot of it was just a bit sad like that. Yeah. And it really wakes you up to the fact how Christmas comes around way too quickly every year. I, I mean, mean, that is true. Gosh, that is... But if you're telling that story to kids, then they're like, yay, more Christmas! (laughs) Yeah, but it doesn't even affect kids. Kids are fine. I know, but you're talking about what big meanings this would have for children, about the passage of time, I mean... Yeah, but when you're a kid, every year feels like it's about five now. They go so quickly. Yeah. Anyway, this has become quite a serious, bleak conversation, so let's talk about something fun. Let's talk about Alicia Vikander's terrible English accent at the beginning. I, I don't think it was a terrible English accent. I just think it was mixed up. It was a bit all over the shop. It was just different bits of English accents put together. <laughs> what kind of local dialects do you pick up in it? Oh, I don't know. I'm a bit rubbish at that. <laughs> there was definitely a bit of Yorkshire in there that wasn't so bad. A bit of Yorkshire? But it wasn't so bad, that. No, it's was just... that the bit where she said, my lady? Was that Yorkshire? Yeah. Or, no, I want to be your lady. 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 And then there's another bit that was quite Geordie, another bit which was quite Scouse. It, it was, was just the fact that it was flitting between. Maybe, I mean... It was a real journey around the British Isles. I mean, maybe that was another metaphorical journey. I mean, you're being silly now. <laughs> but yeah, this is no diss against Alicia Vikander. She's a great actress. And also she's Danish, so maybe I should give her a break. You should definitely give her a break. But it's interesting. Interesting chat. Like, yeah, I mean, was the whole point of her accent just because she was lower class? Don't love that. I think to be so. Honest. I think so because then when she was the lady later, she had a much more refined accent that she normally had. I suppose classes would have had different ways of speaking back then, but not definitely. in the sense because the was class system was even more. There. No, probably not like that. Maybe that, I don't know. But if that, that was, was but that was a way of interpreting it in a way that you know we would understand now. Yeah, but it's also not necessarily that helpful now. Like not to completely change the subject. You're making it serious again and No, bleak. but like you've you've got me on a soapbox now. Like there's whole like surveys about what people think about like regional accents. Do they trust them? Do they think they're intelligent? And that's not great for people with regional accents. Like it can genuinely harm their careers and all sorts of stuff. We should be moving away from that. And if people choose to interpret ancient texts and like overlay those cultural norms of today on it to make it accessible, like you're just perpetuating it. And I don't actually, like, is it necessary? I'm just challenging if it's necessary. Yeah, but did Essel's... Well, wasn't Essel more trustworthy than the lady? She was. And that yeah, was nothing she, to do with class. She was just a nicer person. Yeah, she was a nicer person, but it didn't do her any good. She had what? an awful ending in the, like, 
future that didn't happen. Yes, it's an awful it time. So it, it, it just shows, and again, is that like another sad bit of it where it's like being a nice person, if you don't have the right stuff in life from birth, you're just going to have a crap time. Yeah, let's big up Essel. Hope she had a good alternative reality. I hope she did. I really liked Essel. What do you think of the whole um, duality between her and the lady, though? What what? How do you kind of interpret that? Well, I guess the whole point was that, like, it was a slight glimpse into, like, his future if she was able to be a lady, which you'd like to think if he wanted her to be, he could, like, with his power, she could be. Poor Essel. Yes, poor Essel. Yeah, Yeah. he didn't want poor... Poor, poor Essel. He didn't want poor Essel. We all feel very sorry for. Yeah, we do. She doesn't need our (laughs) pity, though, does she? But he wouldn't let her be a noble woman. I don't know why, though. Is it just his stupid ego again? And and the class system. Surely he would have been able to change that if he wanted, given his high class. No, because he he didn't have the strength of his convictions in any aspect of his life, did he? No, but that's strength of his convictions. But if he had wanted to, he could have done, I guess, is what I'm saying. Whereas, like, she could have wanted to become a noble woman, but in the will in the world, she couldn't do it. Whereas he did have the will in the world, he just chose not to. Anyway, my interpretation was that she the, the noble woman obviously that whole segment in the castle was quite odd and was maybe just like some weird projection that his mum created that's what I thought alternatively it was a real castle with a real lord and he kind of projected his desires onto it and maybe the lady kind of looked quite a lot like Essel or a bit like Essel and he kind of projected his own desires onto her because he was thinking about Essel oh as in Gawain did yeah not the lord so we kind of saw it through his eyes and she looked exactly like Essel yeah but in reality maybe she kind of just mostly looked like Essel yeah but I no I don't know if that's right I think the creepy old lady in the white with the thing around her eyes she was either projecting everything or she was projecting noble Essel and that was because of the whole like creepy thing with her coming into his room and then like they have like a weird like hand on face hand on chest whatever and he's like go to bed old woman she goes to bed and then the next morning when noble Essel comes in this is how you need to call it noble Essel now I know which Essel noble Essel noble Essel she comes in why didn't you come to my bed chambers didn't even invite you to the bed chambers that didn't even happen but no technically old lady that doesn't speak came in inviting him through non-verbal communication to come to the bedchambers so old lady and then then after that old lady was in the freaking room after they did the deed with the bell i don't want to talk about that too much um (laughs) old lady was watching and i think that's because old lady was projecting noble essel and maybe even the whole castle i don't know but like it kind of seemed like that didn't it It was some weird fantasy projection dream thing then if we think the old lady with the blindfold and the white was his (laughs) mum that is just what is that horrifying i don't want to think about that yeah i mean maybe the one thing that would have benefited from a bit more clarity is saying the fact that she was morgan le fay who in arthurian legend is a slightly malevolent witchy figure who does bad things because we're quite sympathetic towards the mum and because I think it, the the film presents it as if she is trying to do the best for him and trying to challenge him and trying to get him to have his own story and his own legend. Mm. But in some ways it just seems like she's just manipulating him through a load of tasks that he's not equipped to do and basically just sends him to his death. 
I mean, she seemed quite kind of quite caring on the surface level in the scene she was in, but mm. it was quite quite an odd way of showing that you care. I mean, I like that point where it was like your mum's a witch. Someone said that, or did he say my mum's a witch? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, what was this moment? Yeah, I don't know why it came out that his mum was a witch. And it was like, yeah, we all know that. But then I almost wondered, was that just like a super niche Harry Potter Easter egg? (laughs) Because I was immediately like, my dad's a muggle. (laughs) Mum's a witch. Bit of a shock for him when he found out. Seamus Finnegan. Seamus Finnegan of Gryffindor Irish fame. Barry Keoghan. Yeah. Similar accent. It's all, it's all being pieced together. Talking of Barry, what did you think of the cast? Do you think it was good? Yeah, I liked the cast. What do you think of Dev? Dev is usually a very likeable character in films he's in. Yeah. And I feel like he had to stretch himself to be not fully dislikable, but just quite a frustrating character to watch, like you said. I think he was very believable. I think he did it very well. I, I mean, it's nice when someone like that does do a bit of a different character. Mm. Like, it's nice to see that, isn't it? And Alicia Vikander was pretty good, like we said, dodgy accents aside. Um, Give her a break. And we really liked who we now know is called Bertilak, but obviously wasn't mentioned in the film. Don't know who played him, but he was great. Yeah, good cast. And also, I want to know who played the fox, because the <gasps> fox was great. We need to talk about the fox. I love the fox. I don't know how much I have to say about the fox. As soon as the fox came in, I knew the film was picking up for you. Yeah, it's true. With his little bushy tail bounding <laughs> along. What would I give to be on a noble quest to a little companion fox? Yeah, and I think your disdain for Gawain towards the end of the film, that rhymes, disdain for Gawain. Disdain for Gawain. Mainly stemmed from his just meanness towards the fox, which was just totally uncalled for. Yeah, I mean, I think that in real life, if someone's awful to animals, it says a lot about them as a person. He was awful to the lovely fox that had really kept him company and given him, like, companionship and strength through, like, times. Really unfair. It was interesting. I wonder if... Because the fox... You kind of heard a bit of the mum's voice through the fox's voice, and it was maybe just, like, a last-ditch attempt for her to undo this weird journey that she'd sent him on. You know, last Mm. bit of self-doubt that she obviously thought, right, I need to put a stop to this now. You know, I suppose you have a lot of respect for him because it would have been the easy, cowardly move just to step back at that point, and the fox said I'm not going to tell anyone if you don't but you know he pressed on and he finished his quest like he said he would I think if he had turned back I don't condone the not telling anyone thing like the fox wasn't going to tell anyone it was a fox <laughs> the fox could speak <laughs> yeah, but only in special occasions it wasn't like it wasn't like a regular speaking pet like in his dark materials yeah but like if he had decided to turn back and not face up to it if he'd been honest about it when he'd gone back I would have been okay with that I just think he needed to be an honest person that owned up to his actions and tried to do the right thing. Let's finish off. Let's wrap up. Let's talk about our favourite scenes and any funny moments. The funny moments were quite few and far between because it's obviously quite a heavy, serious film. Yeah. There was the moment when St. Winifred said, I just need my head back. (laughs) (laughs) It was just quite funny. Yeah, that That was good. That made us chuckle. It, yeah, um, that was good. Bit of comedy lightness there, because that was quite a dark scene and quite a pivotal scene for Gawain, whoever the actress was, lighting the mood a bit in that moment. I don't know good. if it was meant to. <laughs> it was, it was quite it funny, was. wasn't it? It was very funny. I like The Giants was quite funny. Uh, it just left us a little bit baffled. Yeah, I was actually going to mention that. Um, you were talking about one bit being not that clear or something, and it, it made me think of that, actually. like I suppose it was like a nice moment. I was promised Giants... 
And I hadn't seen them to that point, so I was like, oh, there's the Giants that was signposted. But I didn't really understand what I was meant to get from that. I didn't look like I expected. They didn't sound like I expected. I couldn't tell what were they. Were they friendly? Were they unfriendly? Were they just neutral? I think they were neutral, weren't they? Have they never seen a human before? I don't know. It was just, it was all just so ambiguous. It was quite a beautiful scene. I mean, the cinematography throughout the whole film was just incredible, I thought. It was just so beautiful to watch. Yeah. And so many just memorable little scenes that just stick in your head. Mm. And that was one of them. But it was just very mysterious. And But that's kind of what I liked about the film was those mysterious elements and, you know, bits you couldn't really explain and things that really fed into the fantasy aspects of it. Yeah, it definitely fed into the fantasy aspect. It was a nice scene, but I sometimes when I watch stuff like that, I'm kind of like, am I supposed? what am I supposed to take from it? Mm. Are they wanting me to get something from this or infer something? Yeah. And I'm kind of thinking, like, I'm not sure I'm getting what they're wanting me to get. And maybe there genuinely was nothing, and it was literally just to get across. This is a fantastical land, and he's reaching, like, the ends of the earth where the giants roam. Maybe it was just that to, like, signify how far he had gone. But I don't know, sometimes I just wonder, is there, was there more to it? And I guess some of this is from adapting from poem, which is a completely different medium. I, I agree as well, because I think it's the kind of film where everything that happens, you try to interpret with some kind of deeper meaning. Because so many moments in it, are, you know, do have deeper meanings and tie into the themes of the film and things. The only thing I could think of with that Giants moment was that maybe it just shows his kind of insignificance as a person or yeah. you know the general insignificance of humanity mm. and the other things are going on around us and our little ego driven quests and efforts kind of don't really count for much in the long run yeah that could be true the thing attached to that then is like that could be a really negative thought or it could be quite a comforting thought really like mm. depending if you're having a good day or a bad day maybe I don't know and I think that fits with the scene because it wasn't like it was kind of neutral as well like it was a little bit scary but also it was quite like soothing like they were quite gentle and like the sounds they made were, were quite nice like I think generally it was quite a comforting thought though because you know it kind of made you realise that it's not all about your legacy and about the, you know the messages you leave and the story you leave it's kind of like you say life kind of goes on around you and you just have to enjoy all the experiences that yeah. the journey of life chucks up that's what I was going to say it's enjoy the experiences enjoy meeting the giants they can pat you on the head run off with your little fox <laughs> enjoy being tied up by scavengers oh no no not that one <laughs> I don't, maybe if you're it's into that it's all part that. of the journey it's all part of the journey Maybe you liked it. Did you have any favourite scenes that stood out for you? Anything with the fox. I liked every time the Green Knight was on, on screen. I liked when we saw him sat there in his little leafy palace. I guess it was a chapel, but mm. I liked that. It was nice to see. I like my house plants, so I'd like our little house to be a little more overrun with greenery like that. Mm. Um, oh yeah, shout out to one of the coolest visual moments in the film when he's sitting in the dark sleeping and the faces of different characters blend with his in the darkness so you can't you kind of can't tell whose face it is i thought it was a really cool moment i liked all of his scenes jumping to his earlier one i love riding off on the horse carrying your little tree head was he like cackling as <laughs> Just well cackling. Yeah. i loved that on his way out of camelot it was yeah. like something out of like scooby-doo mm. oh what a good film 
Absolutely love it. It was, like I said, it was even better watching it the second time. It's, it's going to be up there with one of my favourite films, I think, just because it has such brilliant themes. It's just so beautiful to look at. It's a real journey and it makes you think about life. What what more do you want, honestly? 10 out of 10 for me. Oh, I'm not sure about that. I did like it and I liked it more than I thought I would, which was a pleasant surprise because, like I think I said on the last one, you uh, when you watched that the first time, you said... I liked it. I don't think you'll like it. So the fact that you picked it, I was a bit like... I think that was probably partly to make you feel better that I'd watched it without you. Well, now I know that every time you do that, (laughs) you're over-egging it. No, it was was good. I really enjoyed it. Not my favourite ever, but, like, I'm glad I saw it. Mm. Um, Do I have to give it a number as well? If you want to give it a quick rating, you can. Yeah, I'll give it like a, a seven. Seven. Oh no, no, no is, seven. Is that a bit hard? No, that's fine. It's only one of my favourite films, but that's fine. <laughs> I think a seven. And I also... think I think seven's pretty solid for my first pick. I'll will take that. Maybe classic? we should count these up and then no. do a little tally at the end no, of the year. No, it's not good. <laughs> okay. Because then I'll vote tactically. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. We can't Too be having that. Too clever. We can't be having that. Thank you for joining us watching The Green Knight. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you have any thoughts about it, please send them in to yourturntochoose at gmail.com. Send them over. And now it's time for Sophie to choose her second film. It's my turn to choose. Let's do it. Let's give her a little drum roll. Has she got something ready? Has she got something ready? Has she got something ready? Little Shop of Horrors. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What a good choice for Halloween. Are you surprised? I'm fairly surprised. I, I, I don't know if you've seen the film. Have you seen the film? Have you seen the film? No. No, I haven't seen the film. No, but I have I knew... seen the stage show. Yes. I've seen the musical, Regent's Park Open Air Theatre. It was great. I loved it. I knew nothing about it before I went to see it. Obviously, it is a musical. It was fabulous. Can't wait to watch it. Fantastic. Well, I'm looking forward to it too. Because I knew you were going to be the one to pick for Halloween, and mm-hmm. I knew it wasn't going to be a scary film, but it should still be fun. I think it might be a little bit scary. Okay. Do you know what happened? Not really. You've no idea? No. What do you think then, from just from the title? I think the only thing I know about it is the big plant that eats people. I mean, that sounds scary, doesn't it? It sounds pretty scary, if you're scared of fly traps, I suppose. Is it kind of like the big plant in Mario? A little bit. Do you want me to show you a picture? Yeah, I think it kind of looks like that. Oh, is it going to be a spoiler? Nice. Yeah, looking forward to that. Are you ready? I'm so ready. I'm so ready. Thank you for picking it. And looking forward to next week for episode three of Your Turn to Choose. See you there. A new one for us both. Bye bye. See you later.